Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Slam Fire Radio, episode 272 for September 20th, 2018. I am one of your hosts, Trevor the Frilate. And I'm Adriel the Frosty Hunting Guy. I was really hoping you would combine those two. I'm like, he's going to go hunting your guy. He's going to go hunting your guy. Oh, mate. oh, Frosty the Hunting Your Guy. I like mm. it. Mm. That's good. Com- combine the nicknames. Awesome. Yep. So, unfortunately, um, Kelly's unable to make it tonight. She's had a bit of a tragedy. Well... A friend had a tragedy, and she's having to attend uh, her friend's pet's funeral uh, because she's actually, uh, as an aunt, the uh, pallbearer. So that's a thing that's happening. Are you sure we didn't do this one yet? Well, it wasn't crossed out. Hmm. So if you don't cross them out, how am I to know? We have a system. Yeah. Now no one's going to believe it's true. Some dude actually believed I hurt my back chasing a, ble- a beaver. I have the PMs <laughs> to prove it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Man. Uh, maybe he thought it was a figure of speech, though. Well, mm, I don't know <laughs> if he really thought it was like, you know, an innuendo. I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe the joke's on me and I missed it. I don't know. All I know is, man, it's good to be back. I haven't been here since, what, before the Nationals in Winnipeg? Yeah. I'd imagine so, you're what you did in guns. I'm I'm going to take a nap here. Probably yeah, you do that. I will just ramble to the audience and Sweet. to the 11 people, 11 people watching us. Does that make us the number one live podcast? Uh, podcast Definitely. I'm not sure about podcasts. <laughs> That's right. We are the number one live podcast. Did we explain where the podcast joke came from? Uh, I hope so. All right. Well, let's pretend we so. didn't move on. Yeah. So we'll get into what we did this week in guns and what we did this week in guns is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. As of September 15th, Calgary Shooting Center has CCI uh, Blazer Brass 9mm 124 grain full metal jacket ammunition for just $259. That's, 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 and that's per thousand, by the way, I didn't say that, but so you're clear that is for a case of a thousand and that's brass. That's the aluminum case price. So that's pretty darn good. 259 plus tax. Awesome. So stop in, say hi, don't be a communist. Tell Jeff, I said hello. And uh, yeah. So, well, Adriel, I'm going to go first because I have a ton of stuff. Well, speaking of the uh, Calgary things, should I mail this over to you? Oh, is this my uh, certificate? Uh, my certificate right now, but yes, uh, you I, mail I could, that to me. I could mail it to you. Do you want a PMAG engraving as well? Um, no, I don't want really. a PMAG engraving. You know what you're going to keep that for? You're going to get the new Slamfire logo laser engraved on one of your mags. Oh, yeah. That's why you're going to keep that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. All right. That's what, that brilliant idea is worth a 10% discount on that, uh, <laughs> on that dippling job. Hey. Ideas are nothing. Execution's everything. Oh, there now. I'll oh, speaking of execution. I can't spell the word first, apparently. Um, 
Yeah, so what I did what what I did this week in guns started back in um, August with the Nationals in Winnipeg. So came home from vacation uh, long enough to uh, work SummerSlam, and uh, then so I, that means I didn't report on SummerSlam either. So real quickly, SummerSlam twelve went off without a hitch. Uh, I personally finished third in Classic. Two years in a row now, top three in classic at that SummerSlam, which is pretty good because a lot of the same guys you see at Nationals, you see at SummerSlam. Um, it, it was boring almost, Adriel. It was there was nothing to do. It went off completely without a hitch. It was amazing. I'm working on my Range Master status, so I got to do some mentoring with the president of the National Range Officer Institute of Canada, Jim Smith, who was the co-Range Master this year. I invited him to be the range master so that I could learn some range mastery type stuff from him. And so that was uh, a lot of fun. A week later, I worked under him at the nationals in Winnipeg. So went to Halifax, actually did some practice with him and captain Andy. I figured out that I can disassemble a 1911 while shooting it. So this is a visual. I'm sorry for the listeners who can't see, but the way I grip a 1911 is very, very high. And if you look here, Adriel, you'll see that my trigger finger, when it's out of the trigger guard, pushes on the uh, weak side safety. Mm-hmm. Well, on Captain Andy's gun, his, I have to file my weak side safeties way, way down so that I don't engage the safety with my trigger finger. And with Captain Andy's gun, I was shooting it and I actually bumped it to that sweet spot that's halfway, the halfway notch where you can take the safety out of the gun. Well, I did, I did that while shooting, and the plunger and spring the um, spring that holds the safety and the slide stop into the gun that goes in that tube right there, uh, that went shooting out of the gun and we lost it on the range. It was hilarious. (laughs) Andy, what's wrong with your gun? A little payback for him cracking your slide, right? Oh, thanks. Anyway, we reassemble the gun, shake it off, think that's weird. And then um, we're practicing a stage. I get the exact same target array that had happened the first time. It came apart again only this time it didn't come out all the way enough for the plunger and spring to go flying down range. It was kind of hilarious. So anyway, practice with Andy, practice with uh, Jim. And then um, it's kind of gun related. You know how airports don't have, um, they have policies, but the employees don't know them and you get inconsistency from airport to airport. So I was supposed to fly out on Saturday afternoon to go to Winnipeg and Jim was flying out sunday saturday morning so we're like let's get your flight changed so i call and they're like sure 400 bucks so i'm like uh no and they're like well, well just go to the airport with your buddy in the morning and ask them to change it then and if there's room they'll change it but they're going to charge you 100 bucks i'm like fine i can live with 100 bucks so the flight leaves at like 7 30 in the morning and gets you into winnipeg at 9 30 in the morning there's no possible way ever in the history of aviation that a flight from halifax to winnipeg on a saturday morning has been sold out so i know i'm going to be good right so we go to the counter the two of us we got each got two bags. One bag has our gun. One bag has our ammo. We didn't like. You can travel with your ammo in the bag with the gun, provided they're in separate containers and everything's locked. So uh, we go to the counter. At the long story short, Adriel, here's what happened. He changed my flight. Didn't charge me. Took all four of our bags. Didn't charge us for any of our bags. So when you're flying with a gun, you can't check in the night before. You have to go check in like a hobo traveling with a dog or something, right? So took all four of our bags, didn't charge us, actually asked us to deliver 
firearms declaration forms to Winnipeg because they knew they were going to win run out in Winnipeg. So they called Halifax and are like, you got some passengers coming with guns? Yeah, ask them to bring us firearm declaration certificates. So maybe in exchange for delivering those, here's what we got. My flight changed for free. All four of our bags checked for free. And then he gives us our boarding passes, says, hold on, give them back to me. He takes them back. He tears them up. He puts them in the garbage, prints out two more boarding passes and says, here, I upgraded you to first class. You're sitting together. Enjoy your flight. Aww. All free. Moral of the story, WestJet. WestJet, kids. And I heard a little rumor that the president of WestJet is a firearms owner and a customer at the Calgary Shooting Center. So it's a non-communist airline. Excellent. All right. At the Nationals, I bought a gun and sold a gun. So um, Sean Hansen, the owner of Freedom Ventures, an Ipsic-type business in Halifax, um, had this. And this is a STI 2011, but not just any STI 2011. It's the Apiro. And the Apiro has a island barrel. An island barrel is a barrel that has the front sight actually machined into the barrel, not onto the slide. So as the slide reciprocates, the front sight does not reciprocate with the slide. It remains on the barrel. So in theory, you only track the front sight as the muzzle climbs, not as the muzzle climbs and the slide moves back and forward again. Supposed to be faster. I don't know if it is or not. Until the DVC line came out, this was STI's Nisus 2011. And it belonged to Sean. So it's been it's been worked over. It has a cylinder and slide trigger kit in it. Um, I made some of my own changes cylinder to it. Cylinder and slide trigger kit. Can you tell yes. us what that is? It's a um, trigger kit that's made out of really nice hard parts. The finishing on them is excellent. The hammer is bobbed. There is no hammer on the back of the hammer. And they have to be fitted and then trigger job done. And then it's minty. Hmm. So it has a really nice feel when you pull the trigger, when the sear and the hammer um, well, they're basically making love is what they're, uh, is what they're doing in there. If, um, I hear romantic music playing every time I pull the trigger, to be perfectly honest, I'm sure there's medication for that, but I don't want to take it. <laughs> It'll dull um, your senses. Exactly. Exactly. Probably so hearing voices. I did, uh, I did a couple of, cha- a couple of upgrades to it to kind of customize it to my, to my own. So the trigger here. I took out the trigger that was in there and put in an STI short reach trigger because of the, you know, what for the short fingers and stuff. Uh, I also um, have a threaded magazine release, which it didn't have before, an extended thumb button, which it didn't have before. And then the last two things I put on, this is a DVC grip. So all the new DVC line pistols from STI have this new grip. So it's had a grip reduction done, a flat mainspring housing, this really cool texture is has been added to it. And the trigger guard has some undercuts. So you can see those undercuts here, which allow you to get your support hand a lot higher yeah, onto nice. the gun. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really sweet. Um, what else? That's it. Oh, and I, I had this RHT thumb rest. So Rick Crane is going to find this hilarious. I sold him my Tanfoglio Limited Custom Extreme, and I originally had that on the gun, and I didn't like how it fit, so I took it off, and I sold Rick the gun. I'm like, if I find it, I'll send it to you. Sorry, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> you found it. I, I found it. Good news. Good news, I found it. Bad news, Rick. I love it on my STI. So I don't know. Maybe um, if you really want it, I'll send it to you, or maybe I'll give you money or something. I don't know, but it's not coming off this gun. Because it it fits, and I had one on my on my Eagle twenty eleven as well too, and uh, like it a lot. Sometimes the thumb rest, Adriel, when you put it on, actually puts the thumb pushes your hand back 
which isn't where you want. You want your hand, of course, you know, you want your support hand to be forward. canted yeah. forward as much as possible. So look at that. When it's on there, you can, you can, my hand is in the correct orientation. Nice. Yeah. If they're too far forward, your hand ends up like this. Is, and that's how it was on the, on the uh, Tanfoglio. But that is, look at that. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So, so I sold my Tanfoglio and bought this. Um, he had it. He had it a couple of. Uh, he's had it for a while, and I asked him to buy it a couple of years ago. He said no. And at the nationals, I walked up, and it was on his table in the vendors area. So, I got it. The other thing I bought while I was at the nationals is I upgraded my holster. I went from a blade tech with a CR speed hanger. Love the CR speed hanger. The blade tech was not as nice as this. So I prefer the CR speed hanger, but I really like the Ghost Stinger holster. It's Kydex. It's friction fit, but it's just sleek and, and cooler looking. And the cut in the front is a lot lower. So in theory, you're supposed to be able to clear the holster faster. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can really, if you can draw a gun, you can draw a gun. And uh, I don't think it's a lot faster out of this than it is out of the um, Blade Tech. But Ghost Stinger, uh, loving it. I broke it in during the Alex Burdett class. That's something else we'll talk about here. Uh, but first, I made some upgrades to my SLR. So my SLR was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and um, it didn't have these things. So if you look in here, yeah, I've put in a, a Geisley Super Dynamic Mall Ninja Combat Trigger. I think it's Super Dynamic Combat. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's a two-stage trigger. It's not super light. It's still like four and a half pounds. But it's got mm-hmm. that nice flat face. It's really, really cool. It has a nice short reset. The other cool thing I put on was a phase five bad lever. Now I know Magpul kind of copyrighted bad lever, but it's a bad lever. A Magpul bad lever won't fit on this gun just because of the way the upper and the lower are made. Mm-hmm. This one is all one piece machined. It's not, it doesn't bolt onto an existing bolt stop. It's all one piece. So it fits there in the trigger guard. And for the listeners that uh, don't know what a bad lever does, it's a bolt battery assist lever um you can use it for when you run the gun dry and the bolt is locked back you insert a magazine and you tap this with your finger for those of you that are watching when i say this there's an arm that goes through the trigger guard right in front of the trigger and you hit it with your trigger finger and it sends the bolt home did that make you jump adriel that was hilarious you literally flinched no no it looked like you jumped when you heard that okay um Ideally, you don't want to ever run your gun dry. You want to do your mag changes before it runs dry. But if that happens, it's good to, uh, it's great to get the bolt home. The other but thing I, it'll do is, uh, that, that's re- Am I jumping ahead? Am I yep. jumping in on something you you're just ahead. about to say? <laughs> the, the most practical feature of the bad lever is that it allows you to lock the bolt back without having to do that ridiculous thing where you hold the front of the receiver, um, you pull the bolt with your, support hand you engage the bolt stop with your right hand your hands are off fire control that's all ridiculous so with the bad lever you charge the charging handle or rack the charging handle with your left hand and then with your trigger finger you use the bolt the bad lever to lock the bolt back during the unload and show clear whatever so and then i believe i talked about this muzzle brake last time it came from the calgary shooting center it's a spa um it's awesome first time i was shooting it the gun was kicking directly to the right it was completely horizontal 
but just out to the right. So I went back to the range with the AR wrench and tuned it a little bit by turning it in the opposite direction. And now it comes straight back into me. So it just need to be, apparently it's very, it's, it's not uncommon for a muzzle device to be kind of canted to one side or the other to get the perfect tune out of it, as opposed to just, you know, putting everything straight up and down, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to recoil straight into your shoulder. Well, there's but, the, uh, the the torquing that you get on the back, like a little bit, a little bit. But yeah, I, I guess if you if you turned it a little bit, you might be able to counterbalance that torque a bit. And that's what I did, yep. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more off-center, and the gun was completely flat. So um, then we had our multi-gun, our annual multi-gun. Muffin was the... Um, match director he wanted to move the date typically we do it after provincials but since we were hosting provincials this year um we wanted to put it before provincials because now that provincials are done it's a it's a rush to get the stages from all torn down and put away from SummerSlam multi-gun provincials we kept the SummerSlam stages up all summer and they were finished a month before the match like they were finished in july so they've been up all summer mm-hmm. and put away before the snow flies because they didn't all get put away last year and we'd like to get hunting so our competition season is done on our range and we need to get everything put away but um the multi-gun match was good muffin muffin was match director we had seven stages and um i won open i ran my slr so i am declaring the first multi-gun victory with an slr in canada prove me wrong you heard it here first First yep. in Canada, first on the show, yeah, Un- unhistoric day. It is. It's the first SLR multi gun win that I'm aware of. If someone won one before me, let me know, and uh, I'll fight you over it. <laughs> the other thing that I did was I ran this bad boy. So this is my Typhoon F12, and thank you, Adriel. A million times. Thank you, Adriel. And thank you, Chad. Chad is putting something in the mail for me to make my Typhoon package even better. So what's really cool about the Typhoon is that, sure, it's a semi-automatic mag-fed shotgun. It looks like an AR-15 chambered in 12-gauge. So five-round capacity, right? Wrong. Five-round capacity in the magazine designed for the gun. But what if your magazine was designed for a pump-action shotgun? A magazine-fed pump-action shotgun. So the Uzcon AS46 is just that beast. It's a magazine-fed pump-action shotgun. Now, unfortunately, the follower doesn't lock the bolt back. And why would it? It's for a pump-action. Some of them. The magazines vary. These uh, The Turk magazines are like all over the map for the really? way they make them. Yeah, so some of them you'll find like that. So some people are changing the follower. Is that is that is that tempting fate? Is that modifying the magazine? Is it like taking a forty cal pistol mag and putting a nine millimeter follower in it? I'm yeah. not going to be the test case. You're not supposed to modify your mags. Well, you can modify your mag if you keep it in the gutters intended for. But yeah. yes, so I won't be doing it. But look at that bad boy. So that's ten rounds, man. So I mean, I was doing mag changes out of my pockets, and it was still faster than anybody doing quad loads. Now that being said, there's not a whole pile of accomplished quad loaders at my range. If I went up against somebody who could do a quad load like a pro, I would certainly want to have a mag pouch or the clip system that Chad's. I think he developed it. I don't know, but he's certainly using it. So that was a heck of a lot of fun. I learned, unfortunately, that this gun will not cycle one ounce loads. Nope. Learn the hard Pardon way. Me? 
one right. and an eighth minimum. Yeah. So, um, my Versamax will, right? So I had made up a bunch of gamer three gun loads for my Versamax. I loaded them all at one eight at one ounce. And uh, it's great for clays. It'll knock down steel inside, you know, 25 yards or whatever, but not enough, not enough oomph to cycle this, this typhoon. So, mm. but uh, that was a lot of fun. I was able to shoot my um, multi-gun match with a typhoon, which is a real badass semi-automatic shotgun. And yeah, my rifle was really non-restricted. Cool. What's that? I said, yeah, they look they look really cool. They got a bunch of like go fast parts on them. They're 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 one of the coolest gamiest shotguns you can buy. Yeah. My only concern, it's Turkish. What happens if it breaks? How long is it going to last before it breaks? Mm. Uh, does this company even exist anymore? So, well, but, like, um, what is that? The Uzcon Typhoon? No, it's the um, it's it's Typhoon uh, F twelve, right? Yeah, the Typhoon F twelve. Yeah. Yeah, so someone else will be making like basically the same shotgun to basically the same specs. I think the things that change are the mags and some of like the smaller parts around it. But uh, yeah, there'll probably be someone making something for it. You'll just have to like test and trial out those different parts. That's the that's the yeah. problem. With it. Uh, the thing is too that the popularity of those shotguns in Ipsic in Europe is huge. There's tons of YouTube videos of Darius and Typhoons being shot in Ipsic shotgun matches. They're going to get real popular here in Canada because that is now the new uh, open shotgun. Yep, there'll be at least three of us shooting the Ipsic Nova Scotia or the not Ipsic Nova Scotia, but the Nova Scotia three gun. Um, there's at least one Daria and two Typhoons that I know of, and two of the Typhoons are running the 10-round mags. Hmm. Yeah, so... That news, that news got out quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The second you told me about it, I contacted the other Typhoon owner I know, who's a three-gun guy. I was like, dude, 10-round <laughs> shotgun, pump-action shotgun mags. Um, so, speaking of magazines, actually, we'll do this next. I got these bad boys in. So, one of my Ipsic buddies... Uh, Jeremy Crane, uh, super cool guy. He uh, was in the Alex class with us too. He brought in a bunch of these through Iron Guns. And what these are is a, a Rock River Arms model LAR 15 round, 15 pistol magazine, 10 round capacity. But what separates it from other 10 round LAR mags is it's a full length magazine body. What? But what about the hex mag? The hex mag was deemed to be prohibited. Blah, 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 blah. We told you guys when the hex mag first came out that it wasn't labeled correctly. It was labeled as a pistol caliber carbine magazine. Pistol, well, pistol carbine. Yeah. Pistol carbine. Yeah. There's no such thing as a pistol carbine. It's either a pistol or a carbine. So they goof that up. This is already a proven accepted brand by the RCMP. Now, the only confusing part of here is there seemed to be a lot of misinformation out there that a pistol magazine could not be a full-length rifle magazine. What do you know about that, Adriel? Anything? Uh, well, I mean, the, the hex mag, the other thing that was kind of weird with it was that the body was a full 30. Mm-hmm. It was a 30-round body, but it just had like a riser in the in the middle that yep. attached to the floor plate. So you take the riser out and it fits more. You take mm-hmm. the riser and the floor plate out and you put a regular floor plate in another spring. It's a full 30. So is that permanent? You need to add parts to it. Yeah. Uh, so like there there was that kind of confusion around it. Whereas um, 
with that one, I mean, the, the letter of the law says designed for. So that one's designed for the existing uh, pistol ARs that we have in Canada, which are the RRA uh, LER 15s. Uh, so like literally you could grab any mag at a menu at a manufacturer and say this is now a lr15 mag uh it's 10 round capacity and start pumping them out as long as you have labeled them correctly and uh and the only whole, is, on the old 10 rounds right which is really all alexander arms did with the beowulf mag all right press check is the only one that designed from the ground up a legit Beowulf mag. There may have been one other polymer one after press check, but press check was the first one to say, let's design a five round Beowulf mag. That'll only ever be a five round Beowulf mag. It's not a converted anything. Correct. So, but yeah, two, two, three follower, but I, that works with Beowulf. So did dogs and arms, I believe. Yes. But, uh, there was uh there was one that used more of a sled afterwards, but uh, it's, it wasn't a popular thing to use. No. Cause you don't need to. I mean, the, 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 the uh, it, it doesn't matter with 50 because anything that pushes it to the top of the feed lips is good to go. The whole, the thing takes the whole width of the magazine. Exactly. So um, why these are advantageous is for gamers like us who uh, shoot multi-gun and three gun, they fit into a magazine pouch and are easy to retrieve because they don't uh, they're, they're full length. The other 10 rounders, you always needed to, attach something to the bottom, some kind of 3D printed extension or couple two together and coupling two together proved to be a nightmare. You had to secure them because they would slide back and forth on the coupler. Mm -hmm. You would drop them on the feed lips and the feed lips would get damaged and you didn't notice until the next stage. So it's not faster to take a coupled magazine out, reverse it and put it back in. That's not faster than dropping your mag as you go to your mag pouch and then putting a new one in. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, so there they are. I got three of those. They were a really good price too. So thank you to Rick for that. If you're listening, those are awesome. Filthy got some too. The other thing I did was uh, one night while drinking, I thought it would be fun to swap the stock on my M1 carbine. So this is one of the uh, handful of Milserp guns that I have. Only it's not a real Milserp. The gun is post-war to plain field, but it's uh, certainly a lot better than. Um, the uh oh there's a new one auto universal yeah uh, yeah the auto yeah the auto ordinance isn't even 30 carbine i think it's just in nine mil but the universal one is a is a nightmare i think filthy once said it's not a question of if it's going to shoot at a battery it's a question of when Hmm. so anyway this is post-war and this stock is obviously a reproduction the sling is genuine um on my regular stock i had the i had a genuine mag pouch that went on the butt stock and I had genuine oil oil filler and stuff. Uh, the stock the stock may have been genuine, but I can't say for sure. But for sure, this is a reproduction because if you do find a genuine paratrooper stock for an M1 carbine, they're like stupid money. So I don't mind putting a repop stock on a post-war rifle anyway. So to call it a Milserp is a bit of a not correct. That's so, cool. Yeah, it looks very cool. I was like... I have this stock and it's really cool. Why aren't I using it? It's got a pistol grip that's shaped a lot like a brick. So it's about as comfortable as a Glock. So, <laughs> it looks yep. very functional. Yep. I'm excited. Um, I'm actually going to a Milserp shoot in a couple of weeks. Can you believe that? Not, a, not that I'm going. Can you believe I'm excited? A so. Milserp shoot. So is it like a Milserp rifle kind of a match? 
it's not a match. It's just, hey, let's all get together and shoot our milserps and check out each other's milserps. And let's face it, there are guns here that I've never shot. So this is going to be an opportunity for me to shoot guns I've never shot before. Like, um, I don't think I've shot either of my Leanne fields. I've not shot my M14 since I put it in the um, authentic, genuine Springfield Armory M14 stock. Um, if anyone knows where I can get a dummy selector for that, please send me a link. Um, I've not shot either of my most Nagants. I did shoot my SVT 40 and that thing was, was horrible. Oh my God. Horrible. Oh, it gave me the PTSD and knocked a filling out of my tooth. Hello. Like, Oh, wait till you shoot the Mosins. The SVT uh, at least has a muzzle brake on it. <laughs> I have fired Mosins. Um, but I had never fired an SVT 40. Now, I mean, in fairness, I shot it off the bench just to see what kind of group I would print at 50 with it. Um, that would yeah. make a difference. Oh, yeah. Standing standing would be so much better. So, um, What else have I gotten up to? Oh, we um, we had a two-day class with Canadian Ipsic production champion Alex Burdett. So, really awesome class. My only criticism of the class was that there was, well, there was downtime and there wasn't downtime. You got one-on-one, but then you paid for that one-on-one he would set up a drill, two drills, two different drills. And he would put two guys on the line, load you up. You run your side, Adriel. Then I run my side and he talks to us and we do it each three, four times. And then we switch. And now you're running what I just ran and I'm running what you just ran. And then we go away and we go practice what we learned on a stage. So in rescue, it was great. There was lots of distraction. You know, we could take some of the stages from SummerSlam, set them up and go practice those while we were, waiting for our next moment of instruction. Some of the stuff was on the line and I learned some stuff to incorporate into the Falachi training, a couple of cool drills. Um, but some of it was one-on-one. So anyway, it was definitely worth it. I would do it again. As a matter of fact, I am doing it again, but we're going to, what we're going to do, there's a daily rate involved. Okay. So the more people up to a limit divided by that daily rate, it's done through oh. X metal. And this is how much X metal needs per day to have him there. Okay. So we're just going to pay that rate among a much smaller class size to get more one-on-one and more shooting done. So um, Ipsic Provincials, uh, that was held at Restigush. Myself and Larry Shriver were the match directors. And I also got some range master uh, experience there as well. Uh, possibly, and I will stand corrected if someone will correct me, possibly the largest Ipsic Provincials to date. 60 people were registered. We shot the match um, with 57 and think what we started with. So it was 14 stages and then followed by the AGM on Sunday. Everything went really, really well. The largest um, New Brunswick uh, provincials. Yeah. 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 We're lucky to see 30, 40 people at our provincial. So we hit 60 and there was a lot of people from out of province. We had people from Ontario. We had people from Quebec, Nova Scotia. We actually had a guy who he relocated to New, to Nova Scotia, but um, I've seen him at nationals. I've seen him at SummerSlam. He drove, he's a production optic shooter. He drove from BC to Nova Scotia in his truck, sleeping in his truck along the way. This guy's hardcore. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even when he was staying in our region, he was just crashing in his truck. It was pretty cool. So, and, uh, he did really well. There was a mistake in the, in the, um, awards at the end between like you can combine senior and super senior or something like that. And I don't know if that was done or something, but I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't happy that there was a boo boo, but it, these things happen. So what are you going to do? And I'm not sure that it was a boo boo. I got to go back and look at it. So anyway, um, 
uh, also last night started to help my buddy Trevor um, build a 1911. He bought from the Wild West Shooting Center a completely stripped STI Trojan. And I mean completely stripped. The only thing they left on this gun was the um, the the tube that holds the spring and the detents for the takedown lever and the safeties. Mm-hmm. It needs everything. So um, I'm on the hunt for parts. If you got some parts that you could donate to this build, that would be awesome. Um, I guess, you know, uh, hmm. Well, Think of it some. as a fundraiser. Some, but they're like, they're Nork parts. <laughs> uh, well, if I, you if know. I sent them, you'd probably just like throw them in the garbage. Mm, I don't know. I mean, he's not building a race pistol. He's building another pistol, mm-hmm. you know, and um, Trevor is a uh, paramedic and he does all of the safety stuff at my range. And he's a super nice guy and he could use a little help right now uh, without getting into any details. He's just a dude that needs some help. So if you got some 1911 parts, that would be awesome if you could send them my way and uh, help him build this gun. It's his first 1911. I mean, come on. Um, finally, the Ferlacci class is canceled. Some people sent EMTs with a follow-up registration email. So we have your EMT and we don't know who you are. Um, so it's hard for us to give you your money back. So if you did sign up and pay, please send us an email um, so that we can cancel your EMT and send it back to you. Um, or it's already been cashed, but yeah, we would like to return your money. So, uh, if you could, um, send us an EMT or not send us an EMT, send us an email. We'd like to get your money back. So there you go, Adriel. That was, uh, well, that was just about 30 minutes, maybe more. (laughs) What? Uh, Oh yeah. It's your turn. Oh, uh, oh, show note. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it all up. Uh, let's see here. I went to the uh, CCFR slash Chaz uh, town hall with uh, we had a couple of uh, conservative MPs, yep. MPs, MLAs, whatever. One of them too. Maybe uh, both. Maybe both. Maybe both. Uh, there was uh, Mots there, uh, who I believe is the shadow minister for public safety or something. I'm real helpful here. Hey, yeah, you, really, you did yeah. a great job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we described it uh, last week on the show uh, there. I'll, I'll tell you about my, uh, uh, how it went. Uh, so we had one crazy person who, who showed up uh, and, and sat next to me. Auntie? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, oh, so he gets, he said, he sits, he comes in late, sits next to me. And starts talking about the UN wanting to, I don't know, scan our brains and how he's a welder and he knows metal and 9-11 was a conspiracy. <laughs> it was like, what the heck? So we kicked it. He, he left after people were like, what are you doing? Get out of here kind of thing. So he left, which was nice. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the candidates uh, were actually really well spoken. They, they talked about the, uh, the bills uh, at hand. They largely talked about C-71 and C-75. Um, I think a lot of the attendees wanted to talk about um, the right to self-defense and uh, uh, simpler classification rules. I think one of the things that uh, the conservatives have been looking at is a simplified uh, classification system. Yes. <laughs> What's up? You'll have to see the video later. I'm, I apologize, Karen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, that like, you know, that was, uh, that was kind of a, uh, kind of how that went um it was really interesting i I, i'm i've never been to something like that before 
And uh, given that it was a, both a CCFR and my, my local range, uh, the uh, Chaz was uh, was helping put it on. I knew a lot of the people there, and uh, that, was, that was interesting. I went bow hunting over the weekend. I set up about six game cams just to uh, just to get some out there and see what's going on. I had one tree stand that's kind of older and metal and uh, um, I've had for like a, a million years. I redeployed that one. And I got a new one uh, that Cabela sent me. Uh, it's a 20 foot tall, like man and a half. Of, I think it's like the big Denali or something like that. They called it uh, the safety features on it <laughs> are different. <laughs> oh, yeah? They're, they're a little, like, okay, my original one, it's a metal tree stand. Uh, the ladder sections, uh, don't, aren't, don't bolt together. They're just kind of loose. And hopefully you've got some weight on that ladder part if you've deployed it correctly. And, uh, yeah, you have a guy hold the bottom, you climb up it. And then at the back of the ladder stand where it, where it hooks around the tree, you put a a ratchet strap, right? And that's, that's the safety on it. (laughs) And that's it. Whereas this thing had, uh, you put the thing up, you got a couple straps that like on the ground, you loop around the tree. And then you you ratchet strap that down. So it's actually you secure the thing before even climbing up it. And then you climb up it and you you attach a couple of extra things to it. So that was uh, that was really interesting. That's very different. I used to put my climbing sticks on the tree, yep. climb up, harness myself to the tree with mm-hmm. just my linesman belt. Yep. And then I would pull my tree stand up and attach it to the tree. So this is a ladder stand, right? So it's a it's a full ladder. You yeah, put it up it against up. Yeah. a tree, and yeah. and then you don't need climbing sticks or anything no, no, to put yeah. it against a tree or anything like that. Or uh, you don't ladder need a line. Ladder, ladder stands are great if you have an opening, an, like an alleyway where you can like stand it up. If you're in tight bush and stuff, it would be hard. Yeah, ladder yeah. stands are usually great for like a bear stand because you got lots of open area where your bear bait and stuff is. Or in Alberta, where like the, the places, no yeah. Well, the places where I hunt, we don't. But like northern Alberta, we definitely do. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I I set that guy up. Uh, super comfortable, nice seat, fantastic. Uh, it came with a harness, like a uh, what do you call it? Fall arrest uh, body, body harness. harness. Yep. Yeah. I have not used one of those before. What? Nope. Oh, I'll never leave the ground with that one, man. Oh, uh, the video that I watched was like, you'd never leave. I'm like, oh, okay. Used to me, but <laughs> I <laughs> guess I'll, I guess I'll be safe now. I guess. <laughs> that's the thing. I guess. I've got, I've got probably two of those harnesses. Usually me and whoever else I bring with me to be a, act as a cameraman. Mm. I use the linesman belt when I'm going up the tree. And then when I'm in the tree sitting down, I've got the harness at, that, you know, it's attached from the center of your back and that's tied around your head. Or not I, around your head. I learned Tied about it. this all just recently. Yeah, you, you, you attach yourself. To the tree? You don't have to take a bow hunter safety course. No, you I just think, keep I'm in mind. Alberta, I, I'm going to go kill some of the bow. I took my hunter safety course when I was twelve. Like it's wow. it's it's been a couple of decades at least. Maybe they have it now. Maybe they like talk about that kind of stuff. Well, my bow hunter safety course, they definitely talked about yeah. uh, tree stands and harnesses and what. Wow. But that was probably within the last decade or two. Me? Oh, absolutely. It was like 2005. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, mine was in the 90s or earlier. Early 90s, late 80s kind of thing. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Early 90s. Early 90s. No Anyways, one gave so. a crap about harnesses and tree stands then. Yeah. Yeah. Or safety or anything like that. Now they do. Now they're, they're very now safety thing, conscious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Safety is a thing. 
Too many people falling out of deer stance every year. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, set that up. Turn yourself into a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Leave yourself stranded out in the bush. Become, become the bear bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that so- would suck. <laughs> Being eaten alive because you can't crawl away. Mm-hmm. Very poetic. Yeah, truly. <laughs> uh, I saw about eight white-tailed deer, never close enough to take a shot at. Uh, yeah. But yeah, a lot of white-tailed deer out there. And for the first time, I saw a ringneck pheasant. So, really? Yeah, they, they, uh, like I've never seen one in the wild. I've I've heard that they have them down south. Uh, you don't see them around here. I think the coyotes and the wolves would eat them. Uh, but I, uh, I I was interested, so I took a look on. Uh, the big game sites and that kind of thing. And apparently there's a release site, uh, you know, 20 clicks or so uh, south of where I typically hunt. So interesting. There's going to be pheasant there. I don't know if if there's a specific license for pheasant. I don't think I'm going to get that one just to on the off chance that one comes by. I'll just, I'll just leave them and look at them. (laughs) We, um, we have them here in New Brunswick and I hunted them last year on boxing day with captain Andy. Um, oh, cool. Unsuccessfully. I think I only got two uh, out of like That's 25 cool. birds that were released. But anyway, well, that like, were you hoping to get all of them? <laughs> like who released oh, them? So, uh, well, we were on, um, we were at, um, Oh, you got, that was that, uh, that release, the, the private was, thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, yeah. yeah, it was a lodge or whatever. So you're not expected to just go clean them all out, but more than two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I came home with a bag full of meat, but I only connected on two. The rest of the boys took pity on me and sent me home with the pheasants. Mm. Mm. How are they to eat? They're good. They're they're good. They're like a you know they're like a game bird. They're not like super gamey or anything. They're they're you know like a small chicken. Mm. So I need to actually eat some. I haven't eaten any in a while. Just deciding on whether to get that that. Uh that pheasant license or not on the off chance that they come by. I mean, yeah. grouse, definitely. I'll, you know, game bird, definitely. But, uh, pheasant, I don't know. Anyways, today's, this, to, yeah. well, today's opening day. Today might be opening day on the Quebec side. And it never occurred to me to buy a license and go hunt on the Quebec side. And one of my archery buddies who I hunted with last fall a lot, he, um, he was over there this afternoon and, he, and bef- by, by four o'clock, he already had seven birds down. Oh, wow. Yeah. And really I mean, he just all day too. So I think he got them in the first hour that he was off work. So, mm. yep. I mean, they're, they're super easy to spot running around in the short grass of, <laughs> of the plains. Uh, you better be careful going on the Quebec side with a gun. Better find out with what the, what's what with that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Saw some of them. What else I do here? Um, I replaced the gas block and the gas tube on my three gun AR. Um, I was, I was having some, I finally like nailed down that it was short stroking. So I replaced those two. I changed out the BCG as well. Uh, so hopefully that stuff will work. I changed out the gas block with one of those, uh, Maple Ridge Armory pincer glass blocks. Uh, they're pretty cool. And, uh, they had sponsored one of the, uh, one of the three gun matches that we had there and, uh, I've got it. So <laughs> you can use cool. that. Uh, I ordered a bunch of CZ 40 cal mags for three gunning. So I think Why I'm going to do that. You don't have a 40 cal pistol. Yeah, I don't. Oh, uh, is that 40? looks a little bit small. Hmm. hmm. Still loads in there though. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Weird. No. So um, you didn't even know enough to buy nine mil mags for your gun. So you bought 40 mags. 
Well, now I've got both. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I you're just going to, uh, I mean, you bought them. You might as well use them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they'll fit, if they'll work. Uh, so for, for three gun, yeah, I've, I've noticed, uh, the guys running these 40 cal ones. And I was like, did you like, did, were there anything, any modifications you have to do to them? And like, nope, the 40 and the nine are the same. Uh, they just have the dimple a little bit lower on the, uh, on the mag body. But if you look at the actual feed lips, they're the same between the nine and the 40. So, uh, that reminds yes. me of these mags. FNS. Yep. Would you look at that? <laughs> look how one dimple is lower than the other. I just wish that the uh, the forty mags on the CZ had the same like lighter dimpling <laughs> as the mm-hmm. FNS ones yep. because yeah, it would work just great there. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. The lighter dimpling on the forty really well. It it makes six rounds difference. Six. You're at thirteen. No. 13? No, oh, no, not six. Up. No. Oh, I messed up the math again. Yeah, uh, more than that. Or anywho, uh, yeah. So I got some of those. Um, I am gonna try getting out to as many of the Ipsic Saturday nights that they have at Phoenix. Uh, they have them about every second Saturday night kind of thing over the winter. Uh, so I'm looking forward to those. I don't know if I mentioned on the show before, but uh, Jeff Chang of the Practical Pistol podcast with Sto- uh, Ben Stoger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts on those matches, so I kind of want to get on those. Jeff Chang? Yeah, that one. I didn't know yeah. he was Canadian. Yeah, Canadian, Edmontonian uh, puts on Ipsic matches at Phoenix. So it's like, <laughs> oh, so, oh we'll do those. <laughs> so Ben is podcasting with two Canadians. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that. That's crazy. It changes them out every once in a while, so sometimes it's Jeff, sometimes it's uh, Alex, sometimes he's got a couple of other guys on there, but uh, yeah, a couple Canadians Hopkins. on there. Hopkins, he used to have Hopkins on there. Mm-hmm. Hopkins, not a Canadian? Nope. No. Oh, uh, he, oh, actually, he rotates through the Canadians. Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. And sometimes he'll have two on. Cool. Uh, what else? I'm going to go to the range this weekend and shoot that WK180C, uh, test the AR with the new gas stuff on there. How many rounds you put to the 180 already? None yet. I've what? been bow, I've been bow hunting. It's bow season. So what? Take it. I don't I don't understand. I w- so I'm not going to take it to where I hunt and blast off a bunch of rounds and scare off the deer and that kind of thing. I see. Yeah, but I will take it to the range. I just I want to see a picture of that thing sitting on a scale. I told you it's it's seven I, pounds I with, with nothing on it. I know. I know what you said. Seven pounds. Uh, yeah, I got a sighting a, a hunting rifle. I've got a 308 uh, Savage Axis 2. I might use that. Or, I don't know, maybe I should use something else. If you listeners think I should use something else, uh, I don't know, email the show and tell me what I should use, and I'll use that instead. So, preferably a gun I haven't reviewed yet, because uh, I've reviewed most of the hunting rifles out there. Uh... And I think that's about it. Our, our uh, we we we're running a smaller three gun matches for October and November, like less bays kind of thing, and uh, they're selling out quick. So we're only we're only running like a cap of forty people, and uh, and we sold out morning of kind of a thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was saying like three gun is is popular out here. Uh, our wait our wait list for that match is twenty three deep. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> there's a lot of demand for three gun out here and uh it's it's all happened this year uh it's it's the, the change has been really substantial that's awesome yeah that's it for me cool all right let's go into uh upcoming events um the first one is the crps season finale and that'll take place on september 22nd 23rd at petawawa yeah yeah this weekend coming up register on practice score don't even know if it's still open so it is i just checked all right well and i'm taking that out and um of course as always for three gun events uh visit three gun.ca this week's matches um, are at Terrence in BC, Prince Albert in Saskatchewan. Next weekend, Cold Lake, Alberta, and Rock Cut in Ontario, Lethbridge in Alberta, and Milo in Alberta. For Maple Seeds, of course, go to mapleseedrifle.com. SummerSlam, don't bother. Interesting thing about SummerSlam, and this is not going to make me wildly popular, a bunch of people registered and didn't pay. So why, why are you registering if you're not paying, if there's not some kind of alternative arrangements made? I got people with cash in hand who want a spot. I didn't open a wait list. I figured 200 people, you know, that's mm-hmm. it. People will drop off and then the spots can open up or whatever. But I got the matches sold out. People with who are sending money who haven't even gotten a spot, but people who have got spots who haven't sent money. So I put on Facebook twice, like, you got till Friday to pay for your spot, then I'm deleting you. So do within practice score, do an export of all your uh, registrants yep. and anyone who hasn't been like, you can mark them as paid in the system there or, yep, or, or in your own system. I'm right on the uh, website. Yeah. And then email them as well. Email them and say like, Hey, you all haven't paid. You have X number of days and then your spot is toast. And I'm putting it up to the next person who's got cash in hand. All right. So that's a, that's a lot better um, than just putting it on Facebook. Yeah. So I can export the list and then just copy and paste the people who haven't paid into a email and send it. Yep. Piece. All right. That's what I'm going to do then. Um, cool. Thank you, Adriel, for the suggestion. Rather than just zapping them and assuming they see it on Facebook, I will email them personally. Okay. Um, news. Federal government to consult public on banning handguns. Take it away, Adriel. Uh, this is this just came out today, um, and it's... Uh, uh, I think bad news. So we we've uh, we've had the Trudeau government looking uh, at examining the possibility of a handgun and assault weapon ban. Uh, this just, is now. Can I? How often is the public consulted on something, and how often are they consulted on something that they may know absolutely nothing about? This is not a consultation. I, I consult experts. I ask people their opinion. Well, you could like one of the things that will happen and, and has been happening uh, to gun owners is is tyranny through majority, right? Mm-hmm. So you can you can have a democratic process, uh, i.e., ask a whole bunch of randoms, uh, "Hey, what do you think about should we ban handguns?" Like you don't have one of those, do you? And 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 ask the questions in such a way to get them to uh, give you the answer that you want. Yep, and uh, and make it seem as if the like most people want to ban them, even if they did like they just don't know about what the law is. I don't think most Canadians really understand uh, how restrictive uh, hand- handguns are already banned. They don't understand that handguns are already banned; they're already illegal. And they don't understand that I think a lot of them are that are coming in are coming in through the U.S. and are already illegal as yeah. they get smuggled in. So. Um, Anyways, back to back to the article. Uh, 
The consultation is going to be held by Bill Blair. Uh, one of the first ones is going to be a town hall in Toronto. And I think I actually have this as a separate news item. Yes, I have it as a separate news item just below. It's this weekend. Uh, so <laughs> head out to that one. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be uh, that'll be interesting because uh, that one's been shared on both sides now. So it should have uh, it should have a good uh, protest and counter protest of vibe going on there. Uh, this is uh, again. Yeah, they're going to be consulting the public. We don't know if this is going to be uh, uh, like uh, work groups or if this is going to be surveys or if this is going to be them calling a bunch of people. Um, I don't personally really like the feel of this because you can ask any question you want to to get to the answer you want when you do a survey. And uh, uh, you can very much lead someone into an answer. And again, like we'd, we'd already mentioned there, I don't think most people really understand like how restrictive handgun ownership is. So if you guys want to do something, definitely post on your Facebook that, uh, you know, owning handguns is, uh, is difficult and, uh, and that the people who are doing so are, are following like a lot of laws and are already vetted, already uh, have background checks run daily and nightly and that kind of thing. And uh uh, let more people know out there because if they do a survey and they hit someone that you've talked to, hopefully they'll you know vote in our favor. Actually, we've got enough laws because our our, our handgun uh, gun control is quite uh, restrictive. All right, they need only enforce the laws already on the books if they want to help curb some gun. Crime. But like the general public thinks, like, oh, they need more laws, but it's actually like, no, actually, they've they've got pretty good laws. They just need to, you know, uh, start to do something about those laws and start to enforce them, and yep. uh, everything would be fine. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Conservative slam backdoor registry. Uh, yeah, this one was uh, was just recently here as well. This was yesterday. Uh, they actually brought up. 1601, 160, what was the e-petition against C-71 that had about 80,000 uh, uh, signatures on it? Oh, I don't boop, recall. Boop, it was 84,000. Yeah, they, they brought that one up. Uh, and basically, they were slamming the liberals saying, like, hey, C-71 uh, is not, it's not a good bill. It's not, uh, it's not doing anything against uh, criminals. It's, uh, uh, yes, sorry. Thanks, Dave. It's uh, 1608 uh, that, uh, uh, that they're referring to here. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, they're saying it unf- unfairly targets uh, hunters and sports shooters who have already gone through background checks and that kind of thing. We already we, like this is very much pre- preaching to the choir on this show here, but uh, uh, the conservatives did uh, table it. They did uh, uh, vow to repeal and replace C seventy one if they're elected, kind of a thing. So, which they will be in October twenty nineteen. You cannot come fast enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it if it doesn't if it doesn't happen, <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be bad news for us because uh, uh, the direction that they're going right now with uh, uh, examining a handgun and assault weapons ban is it, it will lead to uh, oh yeah they're them setting it up yeah. fabricating the evidence they need to uh, to get that going. Yep. Yeah. RCMP have no records to support claims of straw purchases. Hmm. You want me to take that one? This is a this is an article on uh, Dennis R. Young's website. He's the guy that uh, <laughs> filed the A-tip that found out that the Toronto police uh, uh, were, uh, again, making stuff up when they were saying, like, oh, actually, most of these uh, 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 crime guns that we're finding are sourced from domestic sources. Uh, now, he did. He filed an A-tip for uh, 
some sort of support from the RCMP that uh, straw purchases are, again, a, a major vector for getting uh, illegal guns into the hands of criminals. And uh, they don't really have any records to support that. So they responded to him saying, oh, yeah, you asked for uh, some sort of evidence or this or this or this or this just to talk about straw purchases. And we don't have any of that. Yeah. So if if he can't get it, how did the folks in Toronto who said that get it? Wait, they didn't. They just lied. Yep. Yeah. They just lied with no evidence. And uh Yeah. And no yeah. one would dare call them out publicly on it. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, like some of the news uh, channels out there have mentioned that the, the original stat that was ballied about frequently was this 50% of crime guns are from domestic sources. And when we've been getting these ATIPs back, these accesses to uh, uh, public information, um, we've been finding out, oh, wait a minute. These numbers are like really bad. And... Any like as soon as we take it down to stuff that we can track, it's actually not fifty percent. It's like it's way less than that. Um, so we've been we've been finding this out as we've been going along, and uh, some of the news channels have been printing retractions or have been printing uh, in some cases opinion pieces that uh, that talk about the retraction or talk about the fact that the the data was just wrong. So some minor victories, but, but a lot of, uh, a, a lot of losses in terms of, uh, public opinion, because these articles are going out and, uh, going out with a lot of, uh, shares behind them, but the retractions don't. Um, no, no, they don't. Who is the people's party of Canada? Uh, I, that you haven't heard that. That's Max's, uh, Max Bernier's party. They're oh, also, no. They're also talking about um, joining with the Libertarian Party. Oh, okay. Well, hmm, interesting. Maybe I don't dislike Max quite so much anymore for taking his ball and going home. Well, listen to this. The People's Party of Canada, a fair gun policy for Canada. Here's the highlights. Make firearms safety courses more widely available. So that addresses the fact that there are long wait lists in different regions of Canada for people to get in to take their firearms license. Mm-hmm. If you slow down the flow of people getting licenses, then you slow down the amount of firearms owners in Canada. It's gun control through waitlist. Double the length of firearms licenses from five to 10 years. Classify firearms based on function, not appearance. That one could hurt us, actually. No, I think that one talks about the practical uh, right, classification. Twisted sideways. No, the the practical classification that they so that's that's referring to the conservative one that they tabled in I think Vancouver just recently here and it's super straightforward. It's Good. prohib if this this this. It's restricted if this this this. There are like three rules to each of these uh, classifications. Okay, it's well, that's super duper simple. That is the way it should be because that removes the risk of this bouncing between an RCMP or uh, CFO responsibility and a. Uh, bureaucrat responsibility or a committee responsibility i don't want either of them to preside over it as it is right now they need to preside over it when it's making some sense and it's easy to figure out which ones are or aren't restricted non-restricted prohibited i concur repeal magazine size restriction is the next point they have reimburse gun owners for property loss resulting from previous government gun grabs and future gun grabs well, if they go with the classify them based on appearance, there'll be no more gun grabs. 
Um, Canadian firearm laws are broken and I want to fix them. Stop her, the harassment of law abiding gun owners and respect the rights of firearms owners. Interesting. So this party right now is basically a website though. We'll uh, yeah. Make. Max, he, like he, he raised some money. The libertarian party is, you know, talking about maybe working with them. Like politically, I would match closer to, the Libertarian Party and Max's party than I would the Conservatives, but they don't yep. really stand a chance at at, uh, at winning this year. So exactly, maybe next year, maybe, maybe next I, year. I should join anyway. But yeah. um, all right, let's jump into new gun stuff, and then we're gonna wrap this thing up. You got one yep. here, Tenda. What's going on with Tenda? They just they have a big sale on PMC ammo. For that's example. not new gun stuff. That's 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 something for sale. That's for not cheap. A new, it's not for a new. Cheap. Three ninety nine for a thousand rounds of two two three. That's cheap. That is cheap. That mm-hmm. is cheap. I got cases of Narinko that I was selling for the owner of X Metal from his own personal stuff. One thousand one hundred forty rounds for three twenty five tax in. Is that the Nork CJ twenty five stuff? Yep. Now the problem that I would I would be I would be shooting that, but I got a ton of pierced primers with it. Really. Yeah, so, and I didn't like I didn't like getting that much brass back in the action on my uh, on my AR, so I went with other stuff. Huh. Well, and I had a couple of cases blow out the side. Right. Well, I'm still saying this doesn't belong here because new gun stuff is where we review new products to the market, right. not ammo on sale. We discussed this year in time out. Let's move into our main topic, shall we? All right. Joining us this week, we have a special treat. Uh, we've got an Ipsic shooter all the way from the Rock. And I'm not talking about some lame prison movie that took place in San Francisco. I'm lame talking about prison music movie. Come on, really, dude? Anything with um, he's so forgettable. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> the guy doesn't matter. What's his face? Yeah, the other fella. So the Rock is in Newfoundland. So joining us this week, we have Paul Barrow, a member of Ipsic Newfoundland, to come on the show and chat with us about um, Ipsic in Newfoundland. So, Paul, welcome to Slamfire. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Before we get started, I need you to know that before the show started, I had a phone call with a gentleman by the name of Rick Crane. Does that, that name mean anything to you? <laughs> Rick Crane is our section coordinator. Right. He's, he's the man. He's in charge of, of uh, all things Ipsic on the island, and he wanted me to remind you that you are not authorized to speak on behalf in any official capacity for Ipsic Newfoundland. He told me to tell you that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> he told me, though, if, if I could text him throughout the interview if we need to get something clarified by him. So, oh, yeah. well, I, um, told, I told him I was coming on here. I asked him if he wanted me to tell him anything, basically just what. Basically, just what's been going on, more so than what our opinions might be. Yeah. Oh, Ipsic shooters with opinions? Can't be. Can't be. No. So, well, why don't we start uh, with you telling us uh, uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, your involvement in Ipsic, and then we'll get into how the section got started over there. So, uh, what about you? How long have you been doing it, and um, what are you at with your involvement? I started, uh, I did my black badge course in, uh, 2014. So not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, since then I've, I've been shooting standard. I'm two time Newfoundland standard champion. Nice. Uh, last year I came in second. Rick beat me. Oh. Um, Is Rick the uh, other shooter from Newfoundland? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's two of us. A two of you in standard or just the two of you? Uh, we last year, I believe we had 25 members, nice. and I that's think easy. we've doubled we doubled it in a year. Wow, that's awesome! So yeah. you're shooting standard, so uh, single action, 40 caliber gun, typically, um, and you shoot 2011, don't you? Yeah, I got a uh, Edge 2011 with uh, beautiful lightning cuts and slide. You know, you know, Rick, Go ahead. you know, you know, Rick just bought my uh, Ten Fogel Limited Custom Extreme, right? Yeah, he beat me with it last weekend. <laughs> Perfect. See, my guns win. Yeah. It doesn't matter who holds them. Well, just you know, so that was a good thing. Yeah, we just had a match down in uh, Marystown area, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. town called Winterland, which mm-hmm. is a uh, club that we just started this year. Um. We done, I done a black title black badge course myself and John Pinto, title black badge course down there um, August I think. Okay. I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the date, but it was before nationals and all that. So that'd be that was our third one this year, and we're working on a fourth now for Gander in October. Wow! So let, let's go back to you a little bit. So for you to. Mm-hmm. Um, attend matches, you know, Newfoundland is, is way out there on the East coast. Where is your next closest club outside of Newfoundland? Ooh, outside of Newfoundland, the closest Ipsy club would be, uh, Nova Scotia. Okay. And how long, how long would it take you to get there to shoot a match in Nova Scotia? Um, I got a five, eight hour drive across the island and then a seven hour ferry ride. And then that puts you in Cape Breton. And then you got to drive. Yeah. So then you got to be five, six hours to probably Halifax. Actually, it might be quicker to go to New Brunswick. Yeah. But, uh, or just it, build more, like get more shooters going in Newfoundland. Right. Yeah. Run more matches there. Yeah. But when you want to leave well, for what we've a done, match. Yeah. What we've done over the past two years, um, I last year I got myself and Rick both became certified as black badge instructors and early this year John Pinto got his black badge instructor status. In the past two years, between myself, Rick, John, and Steve Jepeski, uh, we've been teaching black badge courses all over the island. So we've been teaching St. John's, uh, where Rick, John, and Steve are too. Uh, we've been teaching courses here in Clarenville, where I live too, which is about uh, hour and 45 minutes west of St. John's. We've done a course in Winterland, which is uh, around two hours south of Clarenville. We've done, and Rick has done two black badge courses, one last year and one this year, in Deer Lake, Newfoundland, which is on the west coast over by Cornerbrook. Wow. So um, you've left to go to how many nationals now? I've This past one would be my third in a row. Okay, so you did Halifax, Calgary, and then um, Winnipeg? And then Winnipeg, yeah. Yeah. And I got, uh, I managed to get 36th place this year in Winnipeg. Cool. That your best, your best one? That was my best one. Best okay. but worse. Best but worse. <laughs> yeah. I managed to squeak that in with 16 misses. Oh, wow. 16 misses. You struggled. That yeah. was, uh, 
So I bet, and I, 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 I think I know where all the misses were too, because I probably had wherever you had a miss. I didn't have sixteen, but I know that you and I probably missed some of the same targets. There was a few stages that could chew a guy up and spit him out if he didn't shoot it careful. First, first day, I was uh, first day morning shooter, uh, alphabetical order. First shooter up, first stage. I uh, had five misses out of that first stage. It was the horseshoe one. Yep. With the minis with the drop wall. Mm-hmm. I uh, had some trouble with the minis there. I was going a little too fast. Yep. Probably a little bit too much adrenaline going. Yeah. Well, the, you've got to slow down the cadence, right? You've got to pop up, pop yeah. up, pop up, pop up. And all of a sudden you come to the minis, you got to go pop, 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 pop. You just, you got to control yourself yeah. and slow it down. You can't carry that, that cadence, that momentum onto some of the harder shots. You got to adjust your cadence. So, oh, definitely. My my biggest issue, and I know what it is, is I have a problem with pulling off a target too soon. Mm-hmm. So I'll shoot the first target perfectly. Second per- target, I'll shoot one center, and I'll have one miss. Mm-hmm. So I'm like one, two, three, four off. Yeah, you're giving up on the shot before it's done. You got to follow through. So, yeah. Um, and you've been to SummerSlam. You've been to SummerSlam now a couple of times, right? Twice. Uh, I've been to SummerSlam once. Okay, just once. And still. Still best match I ever shot. There you go. You shot three nationals. SummerSlam was the best match. I'd love to I'd love to hear about all the reasons why, but it's this isn't about SummerSlam. <laughs> or or your ego. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah. hard, Adriel. I was it's hard. I was so, supposed to shoot SummerSlam this year, but unfortunately I couldn't make it because of work obligation. Ah uh, yeah. But you got a spot for twenty eight or nineteen, so yeah. Which is saying something because 200 spots sold out in three days. So, mm. give or take. I mean, we had uh, 105 people register in the first eight hours. So, all right. So, um, Newfoundland and Labrador. Is there anything going on in Labrador or is it all on the island? Um, there has been, a, uh, there was a small group in Labrador before my time. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think they lasted. I don't know why. Um, I think it might have to do with similar issues that we're having now that we need uh, ROs. We have five areas now, and we only have maybe six to eight ROs on the island right now. And we've got a bunch of areas that can't shoot sanctioned matches unless we come out and host it for them. Well, isn't... um... You've got something in the works, I believe, though. Yeah, I uh, believe Rick just got all that straightened out now. Yeah, so you'll be able to. You um, before Christmas, you're going to have your own RO instructor. So I believe that's the plan. Yeah, and uh, of course, you're always welcome to come over to the mainland to take any classes going on here. Um, I'm not going to speak for Nova Scotia, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that it would be as simple as an email, and you'd get into their classes too. So, yeah. Um, of course, it's easier to send one instructor to the island than send guys off the island. But oh, for sure, I know that as far as I know, myself, Rick, John, Steve are supposed to be doing CRO course cool. at some point, and um, I would say a couple of us would be doing our own instructor training after that. Same time, yeah. Oh, you'll get it all in the same weekend. Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about the formation then of Vipsic Newfoundland. Um, for the listeners who aren't aware, 
to have an IPSC section, you need 20 members. So obviously, IPSC Newfoundland has been maintaining 20 members. You, you've doubled since last year. So what year did the section get up and running? And how did that whole process work? Did you have to join another section, then go home to Newfoundland? and Or did you just, how did that work? You had to get your training somewhere. How did, how did the whole thing get started? Well, here in Newfoundland, oddly enough, the, uh, it first started, originated here in Clarenville mm-hmm. with the first original nine members, which is all they had at the time, flew an instructor down from Ontario. I don't know the year or the instructor. I know it was back in like uh, late 80s, early 90s, I would say. Um, and then it, then back in the times when the long gun registry came in, everybody got scared to own guns and everything died down. And it uh, moved to St. John's. And then after a while, St. John's had it built up over a period of time. And then you had guys like... Uh, what was his name? Uh, Corey Day and guys like that were going out and shooting matches. They've been to several nationals and stuff like that and done well. But uh, it slowly died out again, and we're just trying to really bring it back to life again here now by spreading it out across the island mm-hmm. and getting more shooters involved. Because mm. right Rick now... we probably give you more details about when it started and stuff like that. So you're coming on the show tonight to talk about how Ipsic started Newfoundland, but I should be talking to Rick? Well, he knows more about the dates and stuff when it started. I more know uh, more about what's going on now than what happened in the past. Fair, fair. Well, I guess it's not well, an important part of the story. Yeah, I mean, if if you've increased it from twenty five to fifty, I think, or at least if you've been a part of that, I think that's the more important part, right? Because, uh, like the the original establishment is important, but also like you got to grow it to to uh, an appreciable amount of people so you've got more ROs, you've got more money coming in, and you've got the the critical mass behind the thing to keep it running, right? Oh, absolutely. Right now, behind the scenes, all the work that Rick's been doing, and Steve, and John, and and everybody else, uh, it's really been a group effort. we got our quarter pastor, Matty Petipa, doing a great job. It's just really working really well all around. We're working good as a group together, and things are really moving forward. And... um how many clubs are actively having matches right now? Uh, right now, we've got St. John's, Clarenville, and Winterland. So three right now. Uh, Deer Lake is not up and running yet until we get arrows out there. Uh, but we told them that if they want to plan a match, we will come out and arrow for them. Nice. So where do you see Ipsic Newfoundland in five years? In five years, I'd like to see... All, if not most, clubs on the island uh, hosting IPSC matches. The uh, the plan next year for the schedule is to have a scheduled match, one in each area, once a month, and then each area can have their own matches whenever they want. Mm-hmm. So it'll be scheduled by IPSC Newfoundland this this week. It's this month's in Clarenville, next month St. John's, next month's Winterland, next month Deer Lake. After that, Gander. Uh, Gander is going to be a new one, going to be opened up soon. I'm going out there October 13th and 14th, I believe. We're going out there and teaching another black badge course at there. I think we right now we got four or five signed up for that one. Awesome. Yeah. So, so it's taking a bit of time, but we're moving forward. Is Does Ipsic have any competition for the shooters on the island? Like, um, there seems to be a fair number of gun clubs there. What are the members using the ranges for? Are they just 
planking and sighting in their their moose rifle or is there any kind of organized active shooting sport already on the island uh, st john's riding gun club they got a uh, big trap they do a lot of trap shooting sporting play stuff like that winterland same thing out here in clarenville uh we're trying to get set up good for trap um we just bought a brand new trap machine spent eight grand so we're slowly moving forward on that. Um, Gander, they shoot trap there. So most places on the island are mostly trap. There's a lot of planking going on. A uh, lot of, you know, moose rifle sighting. And that's basically what I've been doing the past week hmm. is yeah, uh, sighting in rifles for guys. Now, um, how has IPSC been received by the executives at these clubs and the members, are they kind of fuddy or are they open to the idea of a dynamic shooting sport? Um, mixed. Uh, most of them are pretty open. Like uh, Deer Lake, they were all for it. Uh, one of their members got it organized for us to come out there and, and shoot it for them when, between him and Rick. Um, Winterland, we had a couple of guys from down Winterland Club came to Clarenville and done a black badge course with me. And they were on the they were on the executive down there. And when they went back down, they they talked about it with their club, and they had eight or nine guys down there this summer with Todd Black Badge course too. Um, I got in touch with Gander. They were fairly open to it. First, they were like they were mentioned that they were shut down for renovations or something, so didn't seem interested. But now they got a bunch of guys interested. So so far, it's been pretty good. Most executives around here are pretty much for it. I've also been in talks with um, the president of the Ellison Rod and Gun Club, which is about an uh, hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half north of me here. And um, he was also interested in having us come down there and possibly putting off a black badge course. Nice. So it's been pretty good. So we're almost up to um, most of the clubs on the island now. We're in contact with most of them. There's a couple that I'm not sure about. don't know actually how many we have here at the moment because not everybody is modernized with websites and whatnot. Mm. Oh, you're growing faster than, than Prince Edward Isle, and that's for sure. There's been a couple, a trickle of Ipsic shooters coming over from the island to take their black badges. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, as soon as we have 20, they can form their own section and manage themselves and do their own black badges and stuff. We've got um one one ro already over there um a couple of guys would be ready to take their ro class there are some ipsic shooters there from years ago i think once upon a time they did have a a section and like newfoundland it kind of went away paul how many how many people were or were you a handgun guy before ipsic or did you discover ipsic and then bought a handgun um I got it. Well, I, me and some friends, I was always big into hunting and stuff like that. So I went and got my uh, PAL. And then right after, I went and got my RPAL. And I'm a research junkie. So yep. I bought a gun. So I want to know how to use it. So what I do, I went to YouTube and researched, you know, handguns, shooting. What did I find? Ipsic. Yeah. Oh, this looks like a lot of fun. So I uh, looked around. I, I know I've friends of mine for years. Like I said, uh, one of the original members of Ipsic Newfoundland, uh, Jerry Stacy, he was like telling me all about it from back in his day of shooting. So I was like, 
this is definitely something I really need to get into. So I started looking around, found a club in St. John's, contacted them, um, sent in my application, got signed up for a course. I believe uh, Don and Jasmine Chafe were the uh, black badge instructors at the time. And uh, myself and Andy Hancock, another guy from here, Braden Elliott, went out and done the course. I believe you met Andy before in Nova Scotia. Oh, yeah. Possible, yeah. 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 Um, fortunately, he hasn't been out to shoot any larger events since, but I believe he's going to make it to Provincials, hopefully. Awesome. So and- then I got into shooting Ipsic then, and um, they said within a couple of years, I was top of the leaderboard. Nice. And what did you start with for a pistol? Uh, I started with an MMP okay. range kit. Oh, yeah. Nine millimeter. Yeah, and um, after a little while, I put a fiber out front sight on it, apex trigger, done a couple other things, and then I decided that since you were in standard, this, now you'd get a standard gun. Yeah, well, I was like, this gun is starting to uh, not keep up with me anymore. Right, and uh, I found a really good deal on the STI Edge. Yeah, I believe I paid. Oof, I got it was a. Um, estate sale $2,500 I paid for the gun for mags belt holster and mag pouches that's uh, that's a sweet sweet deal yeah that was as bad as good as it gets yeah absolutely so now um, are you seeing or were you seeing people shooting handguns just plinking recreationally at the range or is it or are you, you, is it pretty much all non-restricted stuff um, no, there's a lot of plinking going on at the range, and we've had like uh, like some cowboy action type shoots and some three gun shoots and stuff out there. Okay, uh, three I gun Newfoundland, Adriel. You know you want in on that. One of the stages. I've never heard on, of it. That one of the stages well, will be put on your rain gear and grab the cod and put it in the barrel, <laughs> grab the gun. There's a boat, of course. Of course. Yeah. We actually had a. Um, uh, myself and another guy were actually registered as a three gun nation club here. Really? But uh, couldn't get enough interest. People mm-hmm. coming in. It's hard enough to get people to come out and shoot one gun. Like here, it's like you have a rifle shoot. It's like we'll say, okay, bring, you know, 40 rounds. We're doing this, this, and this. They show up, want to shoot five rounds and go home. Oh, uh, strange. Strange. I like shooting more than five. Maybe like a hundred of each gun, somewhere yes, around exactly hundred fifty. Yeah, uh, not everyone's like that, but you get a few that are like that. It's more or less. I don't know. They don't want to spend the money to be at it, kind of. And then I'm like, well, why even show up? You know, yeah, that's a little cheap. Yeah, but uh, but no, we tried it. We only had four or five guys that used to come out to shoot three gun. But around here, we got a lot of hunters, mostly. It's slow moving getting the guys into the restricted stuff, but although it's grown pretty fast, yeah, it's continuing to grow. I was just checking our uh, like our three gun stats from uh, from around Edmonton here, and we've been growing. We grew like twenty five percent in twenty seventeen, and we saw seventy five percent growth just in the number of shooters that came out and shot a match in twenty eighteen. So, starting to get really popular. Yeah, other thing that's hard here too is that we don't. There's not a lot of facilities that are large enough and and built good enough to hold those type of matches. 
Uh, now, St. John's every year, the IDPA group have a zombie three-gun match, which is pretty fun. Oh. I, I haven't shot it in a couple of years, I think. Or I think the first, the one year that I did shoot it, I think it was third or fourth place. Nice. Yeah. So you talk about facilities. That was my next question. Um, how long do you expect before you'll have a club suitable to set up a, a good level three match or could you even pull one off already? Like right now? Um, it, it'd be really hard for us to pull off a level three match with outside help. Um, we don't have a range master. I know it's not man. I don't think it's mandatory, but it would be yeah, nice. for a three. We don't have enough CROs. Uh, okay. we're lacking CROs. Uh, St. John's Rod and Gung Club would probably be the only one that would be close right now. Yeah. They got, um, three ranges that we could use, yeah. but you'd have to design the stages around, you know, three areas and that would be it. So you, you'd be limited to, um, three squads or six. If you shot, you know, three, you shot half in the morning and half in the afternoon and it'd yeah. be limited numbers, it'd be small numbers, right? Yeah, as far as range master and and CROs, you know those people could you could outsource. They could come to your match, and you could always self RO like we do at SummerSlam. So you wouldn't have to worry about having you know enough RO or CROs. You just populate your squads with the CRO that goes with the squad and works with the squad. Yeah, exactly. But the is it the 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 size of the range and the bays and stuff, I think, is the big issue right now to yeah. hold a bigger match. Unless you, you know, got permission from the CFO to, you know, bring in big hay bales and stuff like you see at some ranges do. We're a ways away from being able to hold some nationals, even though everybody keeps asking us every time we show up to one. Yeah. <laughs> really? When are you guys getting the nationals? That's cool. Uh, you know why. Every time we go, because they want to go. Yep. Everybody wants it, to come here. That's right. They just want to go to the rock and party. Uh, now, we've got a couple coming from Alberta for our provincials. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend is our provincials. Wow. Same, week, same weekend as Nova Scotia. Yeah. And we've had a guy from um, Alberta come down last year and shot our provincials. Wow. Uh, we put the invitation there. We tried to line up. It took a while. We were trying to line up so our provincials and Nova Scotia provincials would be uh, a weekend apart mm -hmm. because we had a few guys. I know um, John Snoggerbanger was looking to come out and shoot boat matches, mm -hmm. but uh, we just couldn't get organized at the time to find out who was having their match win. So um, how many stages? It's going to be level two, obviously, but how many stages is it going to be? Yeah. Uh, we got a level two, 12 stages. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, a good size level two are, match. Yeah. Uh, Rick already got everything posted up and we registered through practice score. You got all the stages listed there in practice score that you can look over. You got a really good job done with it. I'm excited like to take my title back. <laughs> I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get over there for a match, but it's going to have to be during the summer. I can go to I can go to Halifax and and drive home on a Sunday night and make the work the next day, but uh, no, not Newfoundland. That's a flight out of Halifax for me and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a bit of hard to travel. That's for sure. If you if you're in Halifax, it wouldn't be so bad because it's only hop on a plane. But yeah, to drive down and fly over. 
Yeah. But all the same, I drove all the way to New Brunswick for SummerSlam and drove all the way back. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I could do it as a road trip in the summertime, and it would be a really cool road trip. It would be a great trip for you and the wife, for sure. Oh, well, I don't know about that. She's not so big on being in the car for more than 25 minutes. So, And she doesn't shoot Ipsic. If it's all the same to you, I'll bring an Ipsic shooter with me. Bring Matt. There you go. I don't know if he's ever been to Newfoundland. Probably. But. Well, if, you've, if there's two ways of coming, when you, if you're driving over in the summertime, we run two ferries. There's the Port of Bass Ferry and the Argentia Ferry. Yeah. Port of Bass Ferry is a quick one. The Argentia brings you, um, Argentia is not far from Whitburn, which mm-hmm. you're on basically on the eastern side of the island. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can do a round trip that way. But if you come through Port of Bass, you can pretty much get to see the whole island. Yeah. I would Unless, do Port of Bass. Yeah. So you come to Port of Bass, you're going to see Corner Brook, Deer Lake, Grand Falls, Gander, Clarenville, St. Uh, John's. Been to Gander, been to St. John's, um, been to um, Belle Island. Um, when you came to SummerSlam, did you drive through Quebec or did you do the ferry? Uh, so we, well, we came up to Nova Scotia. Okay, and, so you did the ferry. You okay. didn't go up to uh you didn't go up into labrador and cross over and drive down yeah we came across the ferry and then up through uh okay. north sydney nova scotia and New Brunswick. what's the ferry cost oh that's a good question my dad paid for it <laughs> ah, fair enough <laughs> i think right. it's like uh, i think for a car it's a couple hundred dollars and then so much per passenger okay so uh, we'll wrap this up by you telling us what's in store for Ipsic Newfoundland next year and yourself. Where are you going? What are you doing? And anything big happening next year for Ipsic Newfoundland? Uh, next year, I think the biggest trip for all of us, I think me, Rick, and John are all signed up for SummerSlam next year because I don't think we're going to do nationals. Okay. Uh, it's a big commitment for us to take a week off and you know go shoot a match. Um, we're hoping next year that we'll continue on growing the sport like we did this past couple of years. I'm assuming, um, we want to, you know, get the numbers, out, make it as big as we can. And, um, I said the big accomplishment would be getting CROs and, uh, range officer instructor would be a huge leap for us. Huge leap. Awesome. Well, I think you had an instructor lined up. So, Hopefully that's going to happen. If uh, something happens, it doesn't, you know, I'm a phone call away and we'll figure something out before spring and yep. uh, whatever I can do to help you guys out. I uh, will be more than happy to assist, whether it's you guys coming here and me going there or whatever, we'll get something done to help you guys move forward. Yeah. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, Paul. It was a lot of fun and uh, yep. absolutely. we'll be talking to you. You and I chat pretty much a couple of times, uh, every few weeks about something or other anyway. So we'll stay in touch and uh, I probably won't see you before then. So I'll definitely see you at uh, SummerSlam. Excellent. All right. Take care, man. And once again, I'd like to thank Paul Barrow for joining us uh, to talk about, you know, Ipsic in Newfoundland, not something that we get to hear much about. We actually don't get to hear much about our new fee um, gunny brethren over on the rock. So that was kind of a, a cool treat for the listeners. Um, there's no listener feedback. Is there any YouTube questions? Uh, there was a, a question on uh, on recommended cheap electronic muffs. Cheap? I'm not recommending cheap. You get what you pay for. You buy cheap, you get cheap. They stop working in 30 days. 
Uh, a lot of a lot of people like the Howard Lay Impact Sport ones. Yes, as a matter of fact, and yeah, cheap is relative. I mean, the impacts are great. Um, I've had two different types of Peltors. I mean, what what do you consider cheap, Adriel? Let's start there. What's cheap? Like fifty bucks is cheap. Okay, for for me, um, a hundred dollars is a cheap set when the good ones cost three hundred. So anything under a hundred, I don't think is worth buying. But you can, you know, and I mean that's tax in the razors. Sometimes you can get the razors on sale as low as like seventy bucks. But razors, uh, Walker razors, are usually in the eighty dollar range. Um, my new Peltors after the gel cups were two hundred bucks worth every penny. I would like I would agree there that the, the problem I had with the Howard Lay impacts was they they provided like a really poor seal around shooting glasses and the hat and that kind of thing. So the good news is they've improved their cup mm. since the early days. So uh, buying hearing protection online is risky, guys, unless you know what you're getting. Like if your buddy has a pair and you like them, go order those. But otherwise, oh, sight unseen, buyer beware, because the way they appear in the uh, in the photo online may not be what you get when you get them home. And like Adriel said, the foam cups don't fit around your hearing protection they push into your head oh god well there were some knockoff howard lays on the market for a while as well so if you bought them off amazon you might have got one of the knockoff ones as well and there's some uh there's some articles online to check whether you've got the real ones or the knockoff ones very good Mm -hmm. um okay so there's a couple of names but um, be careful what you like again, buyer beware. I bought some inexpensive Peltors and they died in a month. Then I bought some more expensive Peltors and I've been running them since, well, since the Ferlacci class. Um, and buy something that you can upgrade to gel cups would be my recommendation. So listener feedback, if we had any, it would be brought to us by Highlander Tactical. Go to HighlanderTactical.com to check out a great supply of both outside and inside the waistband holsters today. Use promo code SLAMFIRE at checkout to get 10% off your order. So just because we don't have listener feedback doesn't mean you can't order a holster, okay? If you would like to send us some listener feedback, you can do so by sending it to SLAMFIREradio at gmail.com. And shout outs, Adriel, do you have any? Nope, go ahead. All right, so to the crew at the Rescue Gun Club, I've never had so much help and support to put on matches as I have had this year, and it means the world to me. It was a crazy 2018, was a mental year, and new people stepped up, and people that have been around for a while continued to be around and put up with all the crap and my miserable attitude, um, my bad jokes, and we had one of the best seasons we've ever had in Restigush this year with the Steel Challenge, with the Black Badge, with the Charity Shoot, with SummerSlam, with the Multi-Gun, that was Muffins, and with the um, Ipsic New Brunswick Provincials. And now people are going to help tear it all down and put it away. Um, I've been going to Nationals the last couple of years, and I see some of the challenges that the match directors out there face. And literally after being in Winnipeg, they did a good job. They had a lot of challenges and a lot of work and, you know, it was all ready to roll and perfect by the time the match was put on, but man, it made me want to come home and hug my crew. But since most of them have issues and don't like to be touched, I didn't do it. Uh, but I got to tell you, 
the people I work with in Restigush are second to none. And we're going to be hosting the Canadian Nationals in 2021. And I'm, I've, I have no anxiety whatsoever because I have such an awesome crew of people right now. I like it's going to be better than it was in 2013 because of well, the crew of people I have. You're super lucky to to have a crew like that in a in a an, an less populated area like Restigouche because that's uh that's exactly. one thing that I keep hearing over and over again is uh people don't they can't get enough volunteers they can't get enough core people to to do the work and that's super important to foster at a club is uh is getting those that volunteer uh participation. Yep. It is. And I mean, it seems like, like every time we get a new person, they, who joins the club, they're like, all right, what can I do to help recently? That's what it's like. And we, we've just been getting some fantastic people. So, Mm -hmm. um, to everyone I worked with at the Ipsic nationals in Winnipeg, um, you guys were awesome. I had some really fun work crews while I was there working for four days, um, to Kyle and Morgan. It was awesome to see you guys. It was awesome to meet Kyle Marconi in person and, um, and Justin and Stormy. Justin is an Ipsic shooter from Filthy's Club who I gave his black badge to this spring. Stormy is his pit bull and they've stayed here a couple times now and they're always welcome. Just, Justin is after McClatchy's job. McClatchy is my right-hand man during SummerSlam and he helps me get everything organized and loaded in out of the truck and make sure I don't forget stuff. Justin was literally writing down stuff, taking notes mm-hmm. of the things we had to do. Like I know uh, Matthew would be happy to let me fire him and replace him with Justin, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I think what I'm going to do is maybe make Justin Matthew's assistant or I might. <laughs> Matthew too. Yeah. Matthew too. Matthew and Matthew too. Thing, thing one, thing two, chocolate thunder. I don't know. Maybe Matthew will be Justin's assistant. I don't know. But anyway, if you're listening, Justin, it was so awesome to have you guys here. I mean, you and Stormy here for provincials. Um, I, I could have got it done without you, but it would have been a lot, a lot more work. So thank you very much. Um, Patreonies, we're up to 89. Um, we, you guys put out a Patreon show just last week, didn't you? Yes, it was a video unboxing of my WK180C. Cool. All right. So if you're so. a Patreon and you're listening to this and you're like, what are you talking about? Go on to the Patreon feed and there should be a video there waiting for you. Awesome. Um, okay. So until next time, please join one of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR. Uh, more important to do so now than ever because, I mean, they're talking about banning stuff. We and need the we, numbers. The thing we need is public opinion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So join the CCFR and help educate the non-gun owning public so that they don't get uh, lied to and sold a, a bill of lies. Check us out on the Gun Owners of Canada and like us on Facebook. We're at 1973. Wasn't that the year you were born, Adriel? No. No. No, it's not even the year I was born. No. Uh, it's not the year Kelly was born either. So I got yeah. carded today at the liquor store. That's hilarious. He's like, do you want to see your li- your license? And I'm like, uh, why? Why do I need to show you? And he's like, oh, just to j- just in case. I'm like, what? Case you have gray <laughs> hair in your beard. Yeah, and you're bald. Yeah, Not I figured by a two. gray beard would be fine, but uh, I don't know, he's humoring me. Ridiculous. Well, until next week, everybody. Here's hoping you get carded too. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is
time to get a gun. Hey, Slamfire is live. Oh, you did the you did the air fingers. Yeah, man. You gotta like wait like just a second or two okay. until, until it's going. Okay, that's a that's a second or two though. Definitely. Okay, okay. A second or two for what? To go live? Yeah, because usually like I'll give you the pause before the interview. This is mm-hmm. just a hey, we're live ramblings. Yeah. So yeah. So um Paul, you're all set, man. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Um, how's his audio there, Adriel? Sounds good to me. Okay. And all right, cool. Ready? Do I need air guns for this too, or just just going? No, we're, we're we're already live. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm worried more about the. Um, oh yeah, I got to get the uh, Facebook check on or the YouTube check on. The YouTubes. The, the YouTubes. The YouTubers. And turn the volume down. Couple of them on right now. Bill yeah. Wilson, Greg May. Hey all. All right. Okay, we ready to go. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> 